We need to understand, friends, there's always the next move of God. And the fact is this, that over the years and through history, it has been proven that the former move of God is the biggest hindrance to the next move of God. I've said to the Lord, I never want to fit that mold. I never want to be in the place of hindering your next move. I I don't want to be in the place of hindering what you are going to do next. And so uh, in getting older and, and feeling that I didn't want that to happen, and yet also feeling that I want to be a part of the next move of God, I don't want to miss what God is doing. I want to be a part of what God is doing next. And, and then over this last two years, feeling that God was saying to me, and you have to weigh this yourself, but feeling that God was saying to me, I want you to be part of the next move. I, I, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you not part of it. I want you to be part of the next move of God And feeling that God was saying to me, your time's not up yet. I've not finished with you yet. And so I was in this turmoil of mind of not wanting to hinder what God was doing, but but also being in the place of feeling that God has not finished with me yet. Now this is all going to fit together this morning and speak to your life. In the midst of all this, I was guided to a scripture that it seems that we've been locked into over these past few weeks, and I didn't know that Andy would uh, preach from uh, a similar, uh, from the very story, I should say, that I'm going to share with you this morning as he spoke last week. And, And you know, I watched that message online, and I have to say that Andy King did a remarkable job preaching last Sunday morning. Genesis chapter 11 is where I want to take you, and I want you to read just one verse that's um, found there, Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, and and it says there, one day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. That's the way that it's put in the New Living Translation. And that verse scares me. It's a verse that has always just leapt out and scared me. And, um, and it, it scares me because it paints the possibility of settling. It paints the the possibility of stopping and settling where you are. You you see, it says that Abraham's father, Terah, it says this, he was headed to the land of Canaan. He was headed to the land of promise. He was headed to where God wanted the Jews to be. But it says that now he stopped at Haran and he settled there. In other words, he stopped short of what God wanted for his life. He stopped short of where he was intended to be. It is possible, friends, for us to be heading in a certain direction, the direction that God wants us to go, and we stop and settle somewhere else, that we stop and settle where God does not want us to be. It's a possibility. It was God's intention for this man 
that it would be that he would reach the promised land, but he stopped and settled in Haran. He settled there. So my conviction this morning is this, that God wants to ask you the question through me. It is the question where you stopped at. Where have you parked? Where have you settled? Where are you at this moment in time looking at your life and feeling that you're missing it somewhere and you're settled and you're stopped? Can you look back and see that there was a time when you were moving in the center of God's will, where you were moving where God wanted you to be, that you were moving and you were enjoying something that God was doing in your life, and you were in the center of the will of God, and you knew that you were where God wanted you to be. But now you've stopped. Now you've settled. Now you're outside of where God wants you to be. You know, a few years ago, we did a survey of this congregation It was a survey to find out where people were in their spiritual walk. It was a survey to see where they were as they went along in their spiritual walk. And we found out that people were on various spots in a journey. I don't know whether we've got it on the screen. If we have, can you throw it up? Can you see that there? So we started out with seeing that there were people who were coming to church here, and they were explorers. In other words, they'd not crossed the line of faith. In other words, they were exploring the Christian faith. They were seeking to find out more before they took the step of faith and now become followers of Jesus Christ. And, and, And they come to church they are searching. They are not yet Christian. They have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ. They were people that were explorers. And then there were those that crossed over the line of faith. They came to the cross of Jesus. They, they saw the cross of Jesus as the place where Jesus took their sins and their punishment for their sins. That Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ is the one that we put our faith in in order to know life on earth and eternal life in heaven. And so they, they crossed over the line of faith and now they became people that were beginning with Christ. They were now walking with Jesus that it was that they realized that they were away from God and now they came back to God. They asked God to forgive their past and now to walk with them into the future. And they were beginning with Christ. That was an exciting group of people. How many know that the people who have just found Jesus as their Savior, they're exciting people to be around. They have found that their sins have been forgiven. Their burdens have been lifted. They have found that their habits have been snapped. The chains have been snapped from their life. And now they're beginning to walk with Christ. Well, we found there were some people in that group. But then we also found that there were people in a group that we called close to Christ. They, they were people who now had accepted that the Bible is the Word of God. They, they had accepted the fact that they, the Bible was actually their guidebook for life. They found out that they could go to the Bible and that they could find in the Bible the directions for their spiritual life and for other parts of their lives as well, their family and their finance, etc., etc., They accepted the fact that Jesus was their co-pilot. 
that, that it was that he was there for them. They loved the fact that Jesus was there all the time, that he walks with them, that it was that they could talk to him at any moment in prayer. They enjoyed the fact that Jesus was there. When they met trials and difficulties and problems in their lives, they were glad that he was there. And if they got sick, they were glad that they could run to Jesus to be their healer. They were there in the place of seeing Jesus as the one who could deliver them, the one that could satisfy them, the one that could deal with the problems of their life. In fact, they got so close to Christ that they wanted everything that Christ could give to them. It was they lived for the fact that now they weren't alone in their life, that they had Jesus in their life, and that he was there for them, and and that he was the one that could give them anything, that they could rely on him, and they found in him that they were close to Christ. The majority of people at Riverside were in that place where they were putting their faith in Jesus. They believed Jesus could do this, do that, the other, and they were close to Christ. The fourth group were called Christ-centered, that end group there. I have to be honest, there was a minority of people in that group. There weren't a lot of people in that that Christ-centered group, that last group that's mentioned there. You see, not only do this group accept that Christ is the center of their life, they not only accept the Bible is the Word of God, they not only accept that the Bible is the guidebook for their lives, but these people, these people, they're not looking what they can get from Jesus. They want to give up their whole life for Jesus. There are people who are saying, I'm not living for myself, I'm living for him. I, 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 I'm not, not wanting what he can do for me, I want what he, I can do for him. I, I, this group of people, the Christ-centered people, I have to tell you, when we talk about heroes of the faith, when we talk about people who pioneer the way, when we talk about people who will give up everything and go, those are the people that are in that Christ-centered block of people. They are growing and going deeper with God. They're growing and going deeper in their faith. They're growing. And there are people who say, anywhere you want me to go and anything you want me to do, wherever it is that you want me to go, I will go. I am not my own. I belong to you, Jesus. I am in your grip. It's not my will. It's your will be done. They're in that group that's called Christ-centered. They're not looking for christ to give them anything because they realize they don't deserve a thing. But they're saying, I'm going to give it all up for Christ. Not my will. Your will be done. Now, we have to be honest and tell you, as I said, that most of our congregation were parked. They were settled. They were stopped in that position called close to Christ. I, I don't know if things have changed much. I, I, I don't think they have. And, and I have to tell you that it's my dream. It's my vision. I, I said to the Lord this week, is it possible? Am I going for an impossible dream? Am I, am I at the place where this can never happen, that I'm, I'm looking for far too much? I'm expecting too much of it. 
But, but it is it possible that we can have a majority of a congregation who are living a Christ-centered life and not a self-centered life? Is it possible? Is it possible that can, that can happen? Let me tell you something about this. When you're parked in church life, when you're parked or settled, you will always desire something that happened in the past. You know, worship's not like it was in the past. And, 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 um, and, and, and you know, um, I enjoyed the preaching of the past. I'm not enjoying it. I, and, 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 and not only that, the teaching, you know, uh, how many of you have heard this? I'm going to another church because I'm not being fed like I was in the past. You see, when you get parked, you will find that you are in a position not of comfort. You are always looking back and saying, it was better there. It was better there. And it was the time when you were more involved than you are now and where you were apart more than you are now. And you look back and you say, it was always better back then. That is a sign that you're in a parked position. And all the time God is asking Will you simply trust me and move on? <laughs> Will you trust that I am in charge of my church and move on? Will you trust me when you don't understand everything that's happening and you don't like everything that's happening? Hey, hey, listen, friends, listen, let me be honest with you. I do not like everything that's happening in church world right now. I'm not talking just about this church. I mean in church world. But I know this, that God is about to do something new and fresh. And I'm not going to be parked. I'm going with the fresh. I'm going with what God is going to do. You may not enjoy me doing this, but I, I want to remind you of some things this morning. I want to remind you that you are called of God. I want to remind you that you are a person that was commissioned by Jesus Christ to serve him for the rest of your days. I, I heard many of you made the promise at this altar. I, I've heard you say it at this altar for the rest of my days, I will serve you. I will follow you. I will do whatever you want me to do. I, I, I have to tell you this morning that, that you are not meant to be parked. You are not meant to be settled. You're not meant to be in the place of looking back. You're not meant to be doing that. That's not you. You don't live there. That's not your place. You are not intended to waste the last years of your life. And you're not intended to waste the young years of your life. The fact is that God has need of you. You're not intended to follow the crowd who have chosen to settle. We get to this place of seeing others settling down and we're drawn to settle. We get comfortable in our homes when we used to be out serving. We get comfortable doing what we're doing when, when really we should be on the front lines of what God is doing. And, and we get to this settled place. Well, over these months, the Lord has convicted me of drifting to settled. When I sat 
in my melancholy place and began to feel my best days have gone, that the best is in the past. And then I've looked at others that have cooled down and maybe felt, maybe I've just got to join that crowd that are parked and settled and just fade off into the distant past. Get to the place that it's my destiny because others have gone that way, that it's my destiny to just fade out and to say it's all over. Those were good days back there. Faith Christian Center were good days. The early days of Riverside were good days. There were exciting things happening. Good days, good days. Well, listen, friends, I want to tell you, I am refusing to park there. I'm refusing to stop there. I am saying my best days are not gone. My best days are in the future. I am reaching, stretching for all that God has got for me in the future. Well, Abraham's dad stopped He parked and he settled. But God came to Abraham and called him to leave settled. And Abraham said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. He was going to move on into the call of God. He was going to live for God. Uh, You can read it. It's there in Genesis chapter 12. And anyone who knows me well knows that Genesis chapter 12 is, is one of my called verses of Scripture my call portions of Scripture. And it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land, a land that I will show you. And so Abraham gets this one word command from God. It was the word leave. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your tribe, leave your father's household, leave leave everything safe and familiar, including your old gods. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, I was looking this up, you see, because Joshua was recounting the history of the children of Israel. And when you go to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, Joshua said this. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord The God of Israel says, Long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the river, and listen to what it says, and worshipped other gods. I want you to notice that. He's saying, hey, hey, Abraham's ancestors, they lived beyond the river, Abraham with them, and they worshipped other gods. And God comes to Abraham and he says, I want you to leave all that. I want you to leave behind all that. It's a biblical principle that's found in the Bible, friends. It's called separation. It is that God says to Abraham, I want you to separate yourself from your past. I want you to separate yourself from other gods. I want you to separate yourself from the cultures that surround you. I want you to separate yourself from your old values and your old lifestyles and your old priorities and your old identity. I want you to be separate from all that. uh, that. I want you to be separated to me. 
I want you to separate yourself from all that is your past and now be separate to me. I want you to give me everything, Abraham. I want you to now see me as your gift. I want you to see me as the one that is going to lead you into the future. Now, you need to understand that Abraham was not not a nomad living in a nomad land when this happened to him. If you read Genesis chapter 12, it it tells you that Abraham was a prosperous man. He, He was a merchant that accumulated a whole lot of possessions that Abraham was one uh, who had uh, enough, uh, uh, so much, that he had a band of slaves, of servants that surrounded him. He lived in a prosperous suburb of Mesopotamia, and he was a prosperous man. Ezekiel chapter 27, 23 tells us that he lived in one of the great commercial centers of his time. In that community, he was known as one of the most successful businessmen. And now God tells him to take off to a barbaric wilderness called Canaan, where he had no land, he had no networks, he had no compensations to look forward to, he had no connections, he had no prospects. And God says, I want you to leave prosperity and I want you to go somewhere that I'm going to show you where it is. He didn't even tell him where he was going. He says, I just want you to leave. I just want you to trust me. I want you to separate yourself from your past and to give me your future. Nobody just packs up. Nobody just packs up and leaves, do they? No one, nobody gets to the place of saying, God has a plan for my life, and so I'm packing up all my family, and I'm, I'm going to move where God wants me. No one does that today, do they? No one, no one in their right mind does that, friends. No one in their right mind says, God has spoke to me, and he's told me to move and he's told me to go to a land that I know nothing about, and, I, and, and I'm going to leave everything that's been comfortable and everything that's secure, and I'm going to do that. Nobody in their right mind does that, do they? Well, I have to tell you, people in their right mind do that. <laughs> they say, God has spoken to me. God has called me. God has said that he's got a new future for me. He's got something in my future that's better than my past. And I'm going to quit everything. I'm leaving everything behind and I'm going to do it. I've had to do it on a number of occasions. Moving to Illinois from the UK. Going from that place to a desert. (laughs) I want to tell you, in the winter, it's a desert. And then in the summer, it's another desert. (laughs) And then I had to do it again when God said, leave Washington, Illinois, and move to downtown Peoria. I want to tell you, each of those moves were crazy, but they were God-directed. They were God saying, do it, John. Will you do it, John? Will you do it? Will you leave that and will you go to this? And I said, yes. So Abraham says to Sarah's wife, it's time to leave. 
You know, when I said, I, I don't know how many months ago it was that I said to you that I felt that um, I would step down from leading this church in a few years' time. I think I said it was 12 years' time or something. Well, it was three. It was three. And one of them is gone now. I've had so many people come to me and say, so you're leaving Peoria? And, and, and I... I, I I have no intention of leaving Peoria, if I'm honest with you. Listen, listen. I may change my function, but I can't leave my calling. Amen. All right. Now, now, listen. I appreciate your applause, but I'd rather you listen right now. Okay. You may be crying at the end, so. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, when I said that at that time, I had no idea what God was going to do. I just knew that he told me that I needed to be passing on the mantle. But God gave me an experience, and I've got to share it with you. And um, according to that clock, if we go an hour and a half, I've got three minutes left. You're not going to be out here for a little while. But I've nearly finished. I'm, I, are you okay? Okay. I, I was reading the story of David and Goliath. And I had this experience that I can't explain, but it was almost as if a screen came down in front of me. And now instead of reading the words, I was watching it on a screen. And on the screen, David and Goliath, I saw Goliath come out and he shouted across the valley to the children of Israel who were scared to death on the other side because they were afraid of the giant. And, and, and he shouted out, send me your strongest man, your tallest man, your most muscle-bound man. He says, send him out to me. I will fight him. I will take off his head and I will feed his carcass to the fowls. I will feed his carcass to the animals, the wild animals and the birds. And it's as if I heard God say, hey, Goliath, I don't need a man for you. I'll just send a boy. And he sent this young boy, David, out. And God spoke to me. And God said, John, raise up the next generation. Oh, yeah, John, raise up the next generation. Well, that story goes on. And you remember that David steps up and he says, I'll go and fight this giant. And, and Saul, Saul was there. And, and, and Saul says, you can't go out without armor on. And Saul took his own armor and he put it on David. Now, listen, Saul was head and shoulders bigger than any other man in Israel. And he puts that armor onto David, this young shepherd boy in his teens. And David couldn't move. And David says, I can't fight a giant in this armor. And he took the armor off and God spoke to me again. Listen to what he said to me. John, your armor will not fit the next generation. He said, don't try and make the next generation what you think it should be. Let them find me and I'll fit them out with the armor that they need. I'll give them the armor that they need. What God intends to do in this next move of the Spirit, I have a feeling that our generation will not be overexcited about. Uh, we're already in the rumblings of it. 
we don't like what this next generation likes. And I don't know whether you know it, friends, but all you got tied into and liked in the past was what you felt you liked. It, 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 it was that you, you liked that system and you, you liked that type of worship and you liked that type of... And, and this new generation is not like us. But I want to tell you, friends, I don't want a church packed with my generation. I want a church packed with every generation. And I want to reach the next generation. We've got to raise up the next generation. If the statistics are right, if the statistics are right, and I'm praying they're not. But our generation is frightening the younger generation so much and, and we, are, we are mourning and complaining about them so much. They're making a choice. They're not coming to church. And we're finding that there's a generation that is not coming to church. And it's because we don't welcome them. We don't welcome. We don't like them. We don't like the way they dress. We don't like the w- things they do. They have, they have these things in their ears and their nose and their lips and all over the place. And, and, and they've got... And now they've got into tattoos. And, and, and they, I, I want to tell you, friends. It's like being in a foreign land. All these kids running around like that, you know. And God says, I love them. I want them. I want you to make a place for them. I want them to be in my church. I want them to grow in my kingdom. I want them in my kingdom. I've got to rush on. Abraham, he said, now leave. And this is what he promised. This is what God promised to Abraham. And it's amazing. When you read the scripture, if you see a word mentioned over and over and over and over, you you better sit up and see that God's trying to say something. This is what he said. This is what God said to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless those I will bless you. I will make you a na- your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of earth will be blessed through you. Five times in that chapter, you have this word, bless. You see, God says, I want you to leave where you are because I want to bless you. <laughs> and not only that, I not only want to bless you, I want to make you a blessing to others. And so God is saying it's all to do with blessing. He says, I want you to leave where you are, live for my cause, even though you don't like it maybe. Maybe it's not the way you thought it would be. Maybe it's a barren desert and you wanted prosperity. But the fact is this, you're going to move in my will. And as you move in my will, I will not only bless you, I'll bless everyone that touches you. I'll bless everyone that comes in contact with you. I will bless those the peoples of the earth through you. I'm asking you this morning, friends. Some of you are holding on to attendance of Riverside by your fingertips right now, if the truth's known. Others of you are wondering, should I join this church? Should I come to this church? I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to challenge you to leave. I want you to leave what is in the past and say, no, It's God who called me here, and he hasn't changed his mind, and he's calling me now to leave where I'm at, where I've been parked, where I've been settled, and now move into what God has got for me, and see that you can become a blessing to other people. 
I'm asking if you with me will sink yourself into the cause of Christ here at Riverside. Let me tell you something about Riverside and the Dream Center, friends. Our job's not done. We've not reached the end. We've hardly started. God is calling for people who will leave everything and sink the farm into what God wants to do from here on out. Will you sink everything into what God has got for Riverside and the future? Will you continue to give and commit yourself to God? You know, at the, I, 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 I didn't want to say this because I never talk about my own giving. But, you know, at the beginning of 2013, I had this little banter with God. And I said, God, in 2013, I am going to give you more than I've ever given in my life. And I said, in fact, in fact, I think this year I will outgive you. Oh, yeah, I did. I said, I had the audacity to say that. I said, I'm going I'm to give, give more time. I'm going to give more of my talent. And I'm going to give more of my money than I've ever given in my life to you. And God, I believe that I'm going to outgive you. Well, I have to stand here today, friends, and tell you in every point along the way, I have not outgiven God. He has outgiven me times over. He has outgiven me. He has gone beyond my expectations and done more than ever I could ask or think. So will you, having heard the vision of the last three weeks, will you sign up for this cause for another year? Oh, I'm asking, give me another year. Give me another year. Give us another year to see this church move into what God is wanting. To see it happen in a way like we've never seen before. Will you sign up for another year of serving? Some of you have volunteered for years and years and years and you've grown tired in volunteering and serving. But I'm asking you, keep going. We love what you've done. We love the way you give. We will love the, the way that you serve. But will you keep going with me? Will you keep going with us? Will, will you continue to give and, and to say, I'm going to make sure that God is blessed by our giving? Now, let me rush on here. You know, when Abraham, Andy reminded us last week that when Abraham was 75 years of age, this all happened to him. He wasn't a young guy. But he says, I'm leaving. I'm going where God wants me to go. I'm not staying in this place of close to Christ. I'm moving into a Christ-centered place for 2014. On this last Sunday of January 2014, will you say, I'm not settling, I'm moving forward? Will you say, Lord, I'm leaving. I'm leaving my idols. I'm leaving my pet sin. I'm leaving my attitude. I'm leaving the things of the past that have held me down I'm going to break the habit. I'm going to deal with my fear. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to move from where I am. And my marriage is going to be better in 2014 than in 2013. And, and, and my finances are going to be better in 2014 than in 2013. 
because I'm going to do it God's way. And maybe you've got to sign up for Financial Peace University here and and come to that class and learn how to handle your finances right. And maybe you've got to say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit to join the Connect team with with Scott, as he's mentioned it to you this morning. Or or maybe it is that you're going to join the Grow team, and you're going to come out on Wednesday nights, and you're going to be a part of a small group, and you're, you're saying, I'm going to grow this year. Or maybe it is that you're going to be a part of the Goal team. Ken Palmer, stand up, Ken Palmer, right now, if you will. Mary, stand up with him, too. Wonderful people of God. Listen, Ken has led teams down into the jungles of the Amazon for the last 10, 12, 13 years. We've built from this church 15 or more churches in the jungles, in the Amazon. Ken has led nearly every trip. He's taken a trip. There's a trip going in May, all right, May the 15th it leaves for 10 days, and Ken is short of people to go on this trip. We need more people. All right, you say, what about the money? Well, if you go for a first-time trip with Riverside, we pay 25% of that trip, all right? We'll help you, and we'll help you to get the money. And not only that, if you sign up to go because God is telling you to go, he'll make sure you get the money. You'll go on that trip. All right, so after service, see Ken, and you can go for God on a trip down into Brazil. All right, now, I'm rushing to the end. So I'm looking for people today who will say, all right, God, it's not John King that's stirring me up, it's you. I hate, (laughs) you may be saying, I hate this guy. He's disturbing my comfort. He's getting under my skin. Oh, that was part of the call of God that came on me. Get under people's skin. Make them uncomfortable. (laughs) Young girl called Julie was a young computer expert in the early days of Um, home computers. She was one of the foremost brains. She actually lived in the town where we were pastoring in England. She had the world at her fingertips. While Julie turned up at a funeral that I was conducting, and, and during that funeral, she found that Jesus began to talk to her heart. And Julie, she fell head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. It was incredible, friends. She surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. And and not only that, she began to tell everyone about what Jesus had done on the inside of her, how her life had been transformed and changed. and, And many people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. It was an incredible thing to watch. Well, about a year went by. And suddenly this 26-year-old woman who has had this year living on the edge for Jesus and given everything over to Jesus, took Jesus where no one would have expected Jesus to be taken. Well, after about a year, Julie was told that she had cancer. And within six weeks, she was told that she had 
days left to live. I, I went to see her. I was only a young pastor, and I went to see her. I have to tell you, I was an absolute mess as I sat by her bedside. I was a blabbering mess. And in the midst of my crying, I said, Julie, I'm so sorry. I don't understand. It's only been a year since you've come to know Jesus, and, and you're so young, and I was going on like this, and I was just a bawling mess, and suddenly she grabbed my hand. And this is what she said to me, friends. But, oh, what a year it's been, John. She said, I've had the most incredible year of my life. This has been the best year of my life. I've never had a year in my life like this year. And now, not only that, John, I'm going to get to see Jesus before you, and you don't need to cry for me. I am happy. I'm going to be with my Savior forever. I, I tell you that story, friends, because I don't know how long I've got left on this earth. But I have to tell you this, I don't know how long you've got left. And the fact is this, you've only got one life to give. You've only got one life to surrender to Jesus. Where you parked at, where you stopped at, where have you settled? Hey, that's not God's will for you. You were meant for more than that. You were meant to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing, on the cutting edge of where God is going, being a part of God's movement. You're not meant to be a part of a miserable, mourning, groaning crowd. You're not meant to be a part of someone that is saying, I want the move of God like I had it back here. You're not meant to be doing that. You're meant to be saying, not my will, your will be done. If I don't like it, that's not my responsibility. I just have to serve you. If I don't like what's going on, I just have to suck it up and serve you anyway and serve the next generation. What are you going to leave the next generation? Well, this is what I want us to do to close. I'm asking where are those who will give their lives for the cause of Christ? I go a little deeper. I'm asking for those who will live, give their lives for the cause of Christ through Riverside, the Dream Center, and wherever else he leaves us. You know, Abraham was one of the only guys that when his wife said, where on earth are we going? All he could say was, God only knows. <laughs> and he was right. Because God didn't tell him every detail of where he was going. He just told him to leave. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know where Riverside's going. I don't know where the Dream Center's going. All I know is that he says, leave where you've been. He's not back there, friends. He's there. He's saying, come on, move on. Leave, leave where you are. Move into my will. So... Um, if you're feeling God is saying to you, you've been settled too long, you've been parked, and you hate me for doing this. Some of you hate this message. Ah, but there's some of you know that God is speaking deep into your heart. And whoever you're sitting by, I want you to do something. I want you to turn to the one you're sitting by. If God has spoke to you, and you say, God has spoke to me this morning. I can't, 
but I can't be back here. I've got to go where he's going. I want you to turn to the next one and say, don't know about you, but I'm leaving. Just say that and then stand to your feet. If that's you, say, I'm leaving, stand to your feet. Whether they stand up with you or not, but if you're saying, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm leaving. That's right. That's right. That's right. If your wife's arguing you, get up anyway. I'm leaving. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to park. I'm not going to be settled. I'm going where God's going. I'm going where God's leading. I'm going to go into the will of God. I'm going to see God do something greater than we've ever seen before. I'm going to see God break through and to provide all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ. I have to be honest. I was in prayer this morning and God said, now you really mean what you're going to say this morning? And and I I say, I really mean it. I'm going. I'm leaving. I'm coming with you. I'm not staying with the crowd. I'm not even staying with my friends. I'm going with you. He says, well, get ready because I'm going to give you something bigger than you've ever seen before. And I'm believing God for that thing. I've asked for a song to be sang, and we'll be out of here very, very shortly now. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to seal this. I want you to seal this in your heart this morning. You know, whenever anyone made a decision like you're making this morning by standing on your feet, I want to tell you what they made. They built an altar And the front of this church is an altar. And I realize you won't all get to the front, but moving forward, you will. I've asked that we have this song sung. I want you to listen to the words very carefully, all right? Uh, And and if they go, I have to warn you, in the middle of the song, it goes up. It's loud. All right, but they may keep it down. I don't know. But but I I want you to get the words saying, I'm coming deeper into you, God. And I'm leaving the past behind. And what I want you to do is to come and stand or kneel at this altar and say, I'm going to mark this date. It's January the 26th. And I am saying, I'm not going to be parked. I'm not going to be settled. I'm leaving. And I'm going where God wants me to go. And some of you, I, I'm sorry, it's just dropped in my heart. I've got to share. Some of you are thinking right now, John, you don't know what you're saying because actually I'm going to leave this church. Listen, if it's God telling you to leave this church, go. If God isn't telling you and you're leaving because of your own feelings, you will not be blessed where you go. I I promise you this. I've seen it over and over and over. People have left churches without God telling them to go, and they have messed their lives up. Their families have fallen apart. Things have fallen apart. Their finances have fallen apart. You can move out of the will of God, friends. I warn you of that. But if God tells you to go, I don't want you around here. I'm serious. If God is God saying to you, you're finished, you're out, you're out of here. If that's God, you would be a nuisance here if you stayed. But if God isn't telling you and you're doing it because of your feelings, you are going to be disappointed and you will find that the same thing that you have felt has driven you from here will come and curse you where you go. It will come up again, I promise you. 
Hey, do you still love me? All right. Sing to I'm going down the front, friends. Because I said to the Lord, I'll mark it. I'll mark today with the people. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, I'm going to live a Christ-centered life from this moment on.